And if you've got a Bible with you, if you want to turn with me to the book of John, we're going to be in John chapter 6 together today, uh, beginning at verse 1. John 6, beginning at verse 1. And this is what it says. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this to test him. He already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a year, half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter bro brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those to who were seated. As, many, as much as they wanted, he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over from what they had eaten. I was so into that that I lost my cue. Do you believe that? Um, you and I know that um, there were more than 5,000 people there. There were 5,000 men there, plus women, plus children. And so the feeding of the 5,000 is an incredible, incredible miracle. Miraculous story whereby Jesus feeds a community, feeds an entire community. We're going to focus in on that and just say, Jesus, as we hear the word, I know we've been prayed for already, Lord, but as we hear this word, give us ears to hear. You say in scripture, we should take care how we listen. So help us to take care how we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We, um, we're heading into towards Christmas, and Christmas is the time where uh, you should all be getting your shopping done by now. And don't forget, keep the receipts. It's very important to keep the receipts. Um, but we're all buzzing around getting things. And in our house, I, I, ours might be different to yours, but in our house, Sheila and I have, Sheila and I have these conversations about stuff like, uh, well, shall we get this for them? And have they already got one of those? Didn't we get one of those like a couple of years ago? Have you ever been through that sort of thinking? You know, I'm sure I've seen one of these somewhere. And, uh, and we have these conversations after Christmas, generally after Christmas, most in my family at least will say, how about next year we just get one present or we just cut it back a bit because we end up with a load of things that we end up selling because we've already got them or we don't need them. Do, you have, do anybody else go through this? 
Like after Christmas, there can be these sales, these special sales that you can take your stuff to that somebody's bought you, but you don't need it because you already had one and you can give it to charity. In fact, there is a thought for a missions thing after Christmas. Hey, you can have this like moment where all the stuff that you've been given that you don't really need, you can bring in and give away to somebody who maybe need it. Here's my point. The point is we have excess and plenty generally in England. When I joined Compassion, I remember a very irate woman came to me. We, I, we founded something in Newquay called Turnaround. And Turnaround looked after young people, uh, homeless people. And uh, she said to me, what about the poor in England? Why are you going to help the poor elsewhere? Don't you think we've got enough poor people in England? What she didn't realize is the level of poverty is very different. Here, it's dire. It's all relative. If you're in poverty in England, it's an awful, awful thing to have. But extreme poverty is a whole different level. And we have much. We have plenty. Let me read to you a couple of bits. Um, <coughs> excuse me. See if you um, recognize where these come from. Number one, belonging. Number two, believing. Anybody heard this before? Number three, serving. Number four, multiplying. Number five, impacting. Do you know what they are? They're your core beliefs. They're your drivers. They're the things. That's the reason this church is here, to fulfill. That's what Jesus said, to fulfill those primary, primary core beliefs. So um, how are you doing that? You're doing that. I'm here telling you today that you are doing that with 67 children around the world, many in Ghana, many in Haiti, but around the world, you're actually doing that. You're bringing impact. And impact is the one that I want to focus on today, just for the few moments I've got, because it is a core belief of the church. It's a core value. Part of your vision of the church is to bring impact. And I'm here telling you, you're bringing impact, but maybe we can do even more. So um, how does sponsoring a child bring impact? How does that work? We're going to watch a video. I hope the guys on media have got it queued up. It's called Hope in Iriga. And although it's not a country that uh, is a primary country for the church to be focused in, hopefully it will give you an idea of the impact of what sponsoring a child does. Bear in mind, when you watch this, that the children are in groups of two to three hundred. They attend the local church in two to three hundred uh, groups. That's the amount of children in those groups. Watch the impact through the video. Hope in Iriga. I grew up in this place. I saw these things happen in my community. At the very young age, I am exposed to drug selling, drug abuse, and drug running. Lorega is a ring in the air. If you say Lorega, then people will always associate you with drug addiction, with prostitution. Child protection is really one of the most important thing that we, uh, partners of Compassion, can do to help the child. I asked them what are the dreams, and most of the mother cried. So I changed the question and I said, okay, if you don't have a dream for yourself, what is your dream for your children? And they cry more. And uh, after talking to more than 200 parents, I can't sleep. I can't sleep because imagining and thinking about I will be ministering to this place where people don't have brilliant dreams. 
when I was young, I don't have any hope. But then when I came to know the Lord, it makes something new. He molded me into a beautiful one because of the hope that He gave me. It's really my dream that they can really be released from poverty in all aspects and can be an influencer in their community. I am now a teacher, so now I can teach more students. I can teach more children, mothers, because God teach me. And I want to use my life as a living testimony to those people who don't know Christ yet. Loriga now is totally different. Before, every taxi driver will not come inside Lorega, shooting every day. But Lorega now is uh, totally open with the gospel. I am here standing in front of you because I am one of those children. My sponsor was from the U.S. Through her, I am now a graduate student of the Bible School. I always dream with our children because their lives have been giving hope in the community. When other children will see them, it inspires others. Compassion International, the staff, the caseworker, plays a major role to instill into the child that there is hope in spite of poverty. Norwegia now is a, is a better place than before. I can say that God is my Redeemer. God is my cornerstone. And He has done beautiful things in my life. How do we change the world? We change it one child at a time. We reach out, transform a community, one child at a time. 2.2 million children are currently sponsored through Compassion. 2.2 million children currently are being released from poverty in Jesus' name. What a powerful, powerful legacy the church can leave as we continue this work. We heard earlier on uh, a, a reading from John 6, 1 through 13. And in that reading, Jesus says, uh, in fact, if I give you a verse from Mark's account, how are we going to sort this problem out is the question. And Jesus turns and says, you give them something to eat. He sees the need of the community, and he calls his disciples, the church, to meet the need. Of course, he could have rained down manna from heaven, quail from heaven, but he didn't. He turned to the church and he said, you have the resource, you meet the need. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that to make us feel like we have to give something or give money. It's not a hard ask or anything. This could be anything. I was reflecting on this on the way in here. So we've got my daughter, her husband, and our two granddaughters staying with us for four days. And uh, let me tell you, our house is carnage at the moment. I'm tripping over dolls. I'm, there's, there's cars everywhere. There's, it's just carnage. I've never seen... How they, can, how they can wreak so much havoc in like three minutes is beyond me. But that's what happens. They come in and there are coats and uh, sparkly 
shoes that I'm tripping over and all kinds of stuff. But here's the thought. They're moving house. We have a house with spare room. So therefore, from our plenty, we can help their lack. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have the resource that we can help them with. And we don't have to do anything particularly to do that. That is just the way it works. So this miracle appears in all four Gospels, uh, the three synoptics and also here in John. The only other miracle to appear in all four Gospels, of course, we know is the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is the only other miracle to appear in all four places. And you'll know the story really well. Jesus had crossed over to the uh, far side of Galilee because of all the miraculous signs that he performed on the sick. Of course, when Jesus crosses over, they all follow him. Why? Because he brings hope. What's the name of this church? Hope Baptist Church. One of the best names you can call a church, in my humble opinion, is hope. Because we need hope. People are attracted to hope. He teaches them, heals them. And as light begins to fade in that isolated place, that question arises that we read of earlier, how are we going to feed them? In the middle of nowhere, how are these people going to be fed when it's so late in the day? And then, of course, we see the miracle that culminates ultimately in the grand triumphant theological theme, <coughs> excuse me, where Jesus in verse 35 declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So it's all leading to this incredible theological truth. It is dripping with the prophetic, Bethel. The church is the house of God. It's what Bethel is, house and God. Bethlehem is the house of uh, bread. We know that, and especially at Christmas, that's pretty pertinent to us today. Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven, the fulfillment, if you will, of the manna that was sent earlier on. It's all to do with the prophetic and the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah. That's why we have bread in communion. Take, eat, this is my body. It's a direct referral to the Jewish Passover. This is the body of the Paschal Lamb that our fathers ate in Egypt. We have much. He gives us much. So, um, so I want to talk for a moment or two about overflow. Have we got any actors or any thespians in the house? Any, anybody who wants to come and help me with a little illustration? Anybody who can act just even a little bit? Won't be complicated, promise you. There we go. Thank you. Round of applause, please. <laughs> uh, Luke, could you pass me the thing under the chair, please? Sorry, what was your name? You're Richard. Good to meet you, Richard. You're a very brave man because you've no idea what's happening. <laughs> you might do. You might do. We'll see. See how the acting goes, eh? So um, how, do I, how do I illustrate this thing of God gives us enough, uh, more than enough, so that we have excess? The only way I can kind of do that is, sorry, what was your name again? It's gone. Richard, Richard, Richard. Got it, Richard. Um, Richard, uh, you, you like chocolate. I'm hoping you like chocolate. Otherwise, it's going to fall flat. You do like chocolate. Okay. So Richard is going to pray that God will give him a celebration chocolate. All right, can you do that? 
So what Richard's going to do now is Richard is going to ask Jesus for a celebration chocolate. You want a celebration chocolate, one for you. Off you go. <laughs> this is this is the way we view God, all right? So, uh, okay, so you're going to have to work with me with this, all right? This is, this is just for illustrative purposes. I haven't got delusions of grandeur, but just imagine I'm God, all right? And uh, it's not come through yet, Richard, so you're going to have to pray a little bit harder, my friend. Nah, not yet. Not yet. not yet. I'm not feeling it, man. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> oh, ho, oh, oh. <laughs> ho. Richard, have a celebration, chocolate. Give Richard a round of applause. <laughs> Actually, don't go away. Don't go away. Don't go away. So let's rerun that for a second, all right? Great acting, by the way, and see where your son gets it from. Um, so, so we're going to rerun that now. So you're going to do exactly the same prayer, all right? Got it? So um, I'll have the chocolate back, though, because otherwise you, you're coming from abundance already. Final one. Just ask same prayer, same prayer. My son, hold your hand. That's the way God answers our prayers, right? <laughs> Whoa. Pop him in there. Yeah, yeah. Do, do whatever you want with them. Go on. Off you go. Off you go. We've got loads here as well, by the way. And those, and those. And what Richard is doing, keep going, keep going as I talk. What Richard is doing is exactly the way God does it. All right? You, you need to pray if you want a Maltesers one or a... <laughs> And I've lost everybody here now. Look at that. It's like, it's like a children's service now, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> should have done this at the end, Mike. <laughs> Thanks, if you would. If you can clear all those out of the way, that would be fantastic. I hope we're allowed to eat chocolate in church. Is that all right, Pastor? Oh, he's, he's halfway through his. So presumably it's. Thank you. So here's the point, right? We ask God for enough for us, but what God does is he gives us enough for everybody. Do you get the principle that I'm talking about here? Richard prayed for one. Our expectancy is, God, please give me enough for what I need. And God says, no, I'm going to give you more than you need. And let me take that a little bit further. We've been looking at John, John 6, and we've been looking at this miraculous provision of God, which was absolutely incredible. Now, I don't know whether you noticed it, but afterwards there were 12 baskets left over. Did anybody notice that? 12 baskets left over. Now, just imagine, all right, uh, Pastor Luke is going to give me the church credit card, right? Now, their faith isn't going that far, is it? But just imagine he gave me the church credit card. I've got the church credit card here. And I'm going to take everybody out for a pizza. And if you're a vegan, that's fine. We can find a vegan pizza for you. So don't get complicated by the illustration.
But I'm saying to you, here we are, I've got a credit card, I've got the church credit card, I'm going to treat everybody on the church and take everybody out for a pizza. Do I hear an amen? So, so what we do is we then, we go out to the pizza house, whichever pizza house it is, it's not important, and just say, how many people do you reckon are here today? Luke, roughly, just roughly. 120 people. So just say there's 120 people. So we go into the pizza place. I go up and I order 134 pizzas on the church credit card. Would it not flicker across your mind? What are you doing ordering 134 pizzas? There's only 120 of us. Would that cross your mind? This is our church money you're spending here, Mike. So why did Jesus... Jesus, who created the entire universe, could he not count the exact number of people that needed feeding? Why the excess? Now, you're way ahead of the game, some of you guys, but here's the answer. Twelve disciples, twelve baskets. What do they do with the twelve baskets? They take them away to find those that have lack so they can, out of their excess, provide need for those that have need. That's the way God works. He never just gives us enough. He always gives us enough, more than enough, so that we have excess that we can give away. It's a principle of abundance. It's the way he works. I see this time and time and time again. I've been working with Compassion now for uh, nearly six years. And I've seen generous people and generous churches grow even more generous with resource because the more they give, the more they get to give. Not the more they get to keep, but the more they get to give. And I see it. I see it so many times. I was telling somebody the other day, um, we were talking about, um, about, about the fact of some people earn fabulous amounts of money. And I said to him, I, it came back to my mind while we were talking, this only two days ago, it came back to my mind that when I joined Compassion, I remember I was with, in a meeting with a senior person within Compassion, and halfway through the meeting, they said to me, Mike, I've got to go, my phone's ringing. And so they go, uh, and then they come back and they apologize, and they say, I'm really sorry, Mike, I wouldn't normally do that, but this was really important. And he said this, that was a hedge fund investor who just got his bonus, and he promised me he was going to call me when he got his bonus, and on the phone he said, I'll have another 200 children, please. Get that? Another two, I'll sponsor another 200 children with my bonus. Oh, come on, get a bit more excited than that. You see, no wonder God blesses that person. Because, because, because he knows that what he gives, out of that excess that he gives, others will be blessed. You give them something to eat. It's a Truly, truly remarkable thing. God is not the God of just enough. God is the God of crazy extravagance. And uh, Paul struggled to find the right words when he prayed for the church at Ephesus. What time do I finish? <laughs> Let the record show. No, I'm joking. Thank you, but just go like that, right? When I'm <laughs> about three, about three o'clock. 
He's the God of crazy extravagance. Paul struggles, as I say, to find the words. I love Paul's writings when he moves into a doxology and he says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he says this, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory. Where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. My point is, God's whole character is a character of overflow. You don't find a minimal type God who just squeezes out, you know, oh, you, you want a Snickers celebration? Here's a Snickers celebration. No, 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 Richard. Here's, here's a shed load. Go take them to others that want them as well. That's just the way God works. It's his whole character. He can't escape being immeasurably beyond anything we could ever imagine. That's our God. That's the God of Hope Church. That's the God who wants to bring impact and is bringing impact through this church and this Christmas. My prayers are with you. What great initiative that you guys are doing. Why does God give us overflow? 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11 from the message, if you forgive me for that, but the message. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. In other words, He gives me so that I can be generous and bring glory to Him. As the church... 28,000 pounds is a whole lot of glory to God. Believe me. I've got a little girl here. She's called Rich Love. She's off the table at the back. And my prayer is that whatever happens today, that Rich Love gets sponsored, right? So if your heart's getting stirred, you might want to come up quick afterwards. But Rich Love, here she is. Rich Love is what? She's two years old. She's obviously from Ghana, which is your focus country. She has a mum and a dad. Um, and... Um, I'm trying to find out what her, uh, she's too young to say what her hobbies are, obviously. Um, oh, specialists. She receives uh, medical care. Speci the specialists also provide emotional and spiritual support to Rich Love and her family together. Okay, sounds like she's got a special thing going on there, actually. But Rich Love has incredible potential. And that potential is released when we, out of our overflow, stand in, support, and help her. That's the way it works. I'm going to be really quick. Number one, overflow starts with what I have, not what I don't have. One of the things I've got to be really careful of when I speak like this is uh, guilting people into giving. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I've got to give because he's, oh, I feel so bad if I don't give. But, 
God, God loves a cheerful giver, and you should never give under compulsion, never give under pressure. Um, you might need to think about it sometimes, and sometimes you just have to make that decision. But my point is, it starts with what I have, not what I don't have. If you think of the widow's oil, you have the picture. If you think of Gideon, what does God say to Gideon? He says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Now think of the crowd on the mountainside. On the mountainside. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. They start with what they have. Overflow starts not with what I don't have. And most of us get stuck with the, well, I don't have this or I don't have that routine. We, we, everybody has something. I wonder what that little boy thought as his sardine sandwich ingredients were taken from him. The one thing he's got is going. I wonder if he realized the power of what that could do in the hands of the master, in the hands of the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. The thing he was given was to bless others, not bless himself. If you don't have a volunteer who's going to volunteer what they have, you have no overflow to what God can do. So we can preach about a God of abundance as much as we like, but if we don't give, there's nothing to multiply. So the little we have, even if it's a pound, never despise the small gift that you give. Never worry if you can't put a lot in the offering. It doesn't matter. But we start with what we have, not what we don't have. Second thing, self-sufficiency. In my opinion, and this is, I'm, I'm over 60, let's put it that way. And I can say this, I think now, over me, self-sufficiency can actually be selfishness. It's not about me and my survival. It's about maybe what God can do through me for others as well. I was convicted of something. I can't tell you what it is, but I was convicted. Sheila said, here we go. It's good. She's not here, right, so I can say this. But she said to me uh, yesterday, we need to give this to this. And I said, no, no, we don't. No, we, we don't need to do that. No, no, no. No, we've worked hard to get that little bit of money together and no, 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 no. And I'm sitting there and I'm deeply convicted. Actually, first thing I do when I get home, if she's not watching online, is to say, we need to do that. Why? Because God's given to us to pass on. God gives us in excess so that we can provide for others that. One small boy doesn't need three loaves, two fishes. His excess in the hands of Jesus fulfills a multitude's lack. God is able to make, says 2 Corinthians 9.8, all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. If I pray for just enough for me, who am I thinking of? If I pray for excess so that I can bless others, that is a healthy, in my opinion at least, view. Finally, and it is a final, move through the nothing, go past the enough until you come to the overflow. Luke tells us this. These are the heroic men of faith. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. In other words, they had faith for nothing. Here's the need. There's nothing we can do about this need. Send them away. Make the need go away so the need can get fixed. Philip goes a step beyond the other 11 and gets on the road to enough. 
theology. He says this, eight months' wages would not buy enough food for each one to have a bite. So he's taken it a step further and thought it through a little bit. Okay, there's the need. This is what we would need to fulfill the need. We still don't have it, of course, but this is what we would need. This would be just enough. And that's a one-bite-each philosophy. I can earn just about... I, I, I can earn enough just about to make it. I'll just get my needs met. And then we then enters Andrew, intrepid man of God. He at least is coming up with potentials. And he says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go amongst so many? God has to get past us to get into the overflow that he wants to bring into this world today, and that is either with compassion or with other organizations that I know that you are working with. Let me, let me close. Twelve baskets left over. Twelve baskets full left over. When they'd all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Here's the key. Meeting the needs of the community. Listen carefully. Church is given so much that we can give away. We can change this world. One basket per disciple. Did the boy get fed? They all ate and were satisfied, says Mark 6.42. Overflow, overflows, and changes lives. Can we just stand just for one moment so that I can pray? And I want to do two prayers, if I may. Um, the first prayer will be for you if you're struggling financially. If you, if you have need and you have lack, I'd love to be able to pray for you that you would know God's provision for you. So if that's you, just hunker down in your heart for a second or two just while we pray, just while I pray. So say, Father, I want to thank you for every single person in this room. But I want to thank you and ask you, Lord, to meet the need of every person who is here. There are some folk here, Lord, who may be struggling with bills, uh, with food on the table. Some folk here may be struggling uh, to, to provide for their family. Some may be looking at Christmas, wondering how on earth they're going to, to even, even bring token things to their children. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will step into that situation, that you will step into their world, and that you will meet their need according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I pray they will be filled with hope as they're in Hope Church today, that they will know this hope in Christ, that you are the God who hears, the God who listens, and the God who provides. But beyond that, Lord, I ask that you give them more than enough. And I pray, Lord, that as you give them more than enough, that you remind them that that more than enough is so they can bless others as well. Thank you, Father. If that's you, just receive that in your heart now. Would you do that? Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you hear prayers. I trust you today. And finally, Lord, my final appeal, I guess, is for the children. A pound a day can... A little over at 1.02, I think. I can't remember what the exact number is, but a little over a pound a day can set 
an entire family free from extreme poverty, starting with the child, but cascading through the family. Father, in this room today, there may be people who you've put your hand on to stand in the gap for these children. I pray in Jesus' name that for those that you're calling to stand with us to set a child free from extreme poverty, I pray in Jesus' name that right now you'll stir their heart, convict them, convince them, and release them, Lord, to come to the table afterwards and maybe sponsor a child. I thank you, Father, for every person in this room that currently already supports Compassion. And I know there are many other organizations supported by great people in this church, but particularly Compassion, on behalf of Compassion the Children, I thank you for them. And I pray, Lord, that as they give out, they will receive back. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Amen.